Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. This is William Zelmer, contributing editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy, speaking with Angela Maldonado, who is a clinical transplant specialist at Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center and Children's Hospital with the kidney transplant program there in Spokane, Washington, and also assistant professor at the College of Pharmacy in Spokane, Washington, Washington State University. Angela is the lead author of an AJHP paper on billing for outpatient transplant pharmacy services. Angela, let's start by having you just talk a bit about the practice setting that you describe in this paper and the service that is provided to kidney transplant patients. Well, the practice setting described in the paper went over a little bit about inpatient duties, but focused mainly on outpatient kidney transplant services. At Sacred Heart, we have both a heart and kidney transplant program, and the paper just focuses on the kidney transplant outpatient billing aspect. And how long has this program been in place? It's been in place since the fall of 2008, so about three years. And how is it staffed from a pharmacy standpoint? We have two pharmacists that work on a two-person model where one pharmacist works up on the clinical floor with patients while the other pharmacist is doing dispensing or order entry. At the end of two weeks, the partners switch. This model Mm -hmm. was put in place to encourage a well-rounded pharmacist who is able to know both the clinical and the dispensing model of pharmacy. I have a different position. My partner follows that model, but when my partner is on the kidney transplant rotation, I'm at the college doing research and teaching. And then when she is on her dispensing rotation, then I come in and fill in on the clinical transplant service. One of the things you mention in the paper is that there are uh, specific accreditation requirements for organ transplantation programs that require pharmacist involvement. Could you describe that for our listeners? Sure. In 2004, the United Network for Organ Sharing, or UNOS, um, bylaws were amended to recognize pharmacists as an essential part of the patient care team. That was a great move um, on behalf of, you know, to advocate for patient care. And then in 2007, so about three years later, CMS then published a mandate in the Code of Federal Regulations that stated a pharmacology expert had to be involved in specific aspects of transplant patient care as a team member in order for the program to be reimbursed. Um, That made us really happy as pharmacists because it did provide job security for us, but more importantly, it was um, a move to improve patient care by adding a pharmacist or a pharmacology expert, as they state, um, as part of the multidisciplinary care team. So you would be hard-pressed to find a program nowadays that does not have a pharmacist involved. What kind of special training have you and your colleagues received in uh, organ transplantation to qualify you for serving patients in this program? You know, that's a really timely question. Just a few months ago, there was a white paper published in the American Journal of Transplantation outlining 
the education and the training, as well as job descriptions of the transplant pharmacist. Most of pharmacists working in solid organ transplantation have completed at least PGY1 or postgraduate year one residency. A good majority of the pharmacists have gone on to do specialized PGY2 or fellowship in transplantation as well. Although currently it's not mandated that transplant pharmacists need to have this training, I think we're moving towards that. You know, with DMS requiring a pharmacist to be on every transplant team, there's not very many PGY2 transplant trained pharmacists out there. So you will have pharmacists that don't have that background. But I think moving forward in the future, you will have a lot of pharmacists specially trained in transplantation. Very interesting. Well, your paper focuses on billing for outpatient transplant pharmacy services specifically. And as I understand it, this billing system at Providence was established before you were hired for your position. Is that correct? That is correct. And it involves facility fee billing. Could you explain that to our listeners, exactly what that is? There are several types of billing, both direct and indirect. And we use facility fee billing, which is an indirect approach. Indirect meaning that we're sort of billing not for our services directly, but through a different channel. Facility fee billing used to be a charge to account for the higher levels of facilities used by patients in a clinic associated with a hospital. But I think in more modern times, it's now being used to indirectly bill for time spent with the patient by nursing and pharmacy staff. And then within your institution, you've also established uh, different billing levels, uh, different levels of services. Could you explain that for us? The billing levels are center-specific. They're usually set by the hospital CFO, and every center can dictate their own facility fee billing levels. Ours are based on time and intensity of involvement with the patient. And specifically for pharmacy, all of our different levels are in increments of time. So let's say up to level one would be up to 15 minutes of face-to-face time up through a level five, which is more than an hour of face-to-face time. So our pharmacy billing is just based on time rather than intensity of activities. Let's say that a nursing would use to account for their billing levels. Okay, so every institution establishes this for its own method of providing care. Is that correct? Correct. And payers, Medicare and others, accept what the institution devises in this regard? Yes. I think in our paper, we have a chart of billing levels over time, and they are based on cost of living, and there's sort of a set rate, but it can be higher or lower than that amount based on where you live, the cost of living there, and the demographics. And then that is the level that is then billed. All right. Now, one of the points you make in your paper is that pharmacists, uh, based on your analysis, were billing at a higher level than nurses. Why is that important? Why did you uh, make a special point of that? You know, I wouldn't say that it's more important than what the nurses were billed for, but we did point it out to illustrate that we were billing at a higher level than nurses purely because we had more time to spend with the patient and their families. So that when it came down to education, ensuring compliance, um, making the patient feel comfortable with their immunosuppressant regimen, pharmacists 
had the luxury of time, and that's why we were billing at a higher level. It wasn't a grossly inflated billing, and the work that we did was not more or less important than nursing. But I did want to point out that when it came down to as much time as the patient needed, the pharmacist did have time to provide that, whereas the nurses had to keep to their clinic schedule pretty strictly. Our schedule was a little bit more flexible. Well, as I understand it, again, based on what you told me earlier, this whole analysis came about because those who have administrative responsibilities for the program were curious how much billing was actually being received uh, for pharmacist services. What were the results of that analysis? I think the main question behind our project in this paper was whether pharmacy services in the outpatient setting, were they cost-neutral or cost-beneficial? And we found that we were cost-beneficial, although the revenue that we recouped would not ever offset a pharmacist's salary, we were still contributing to the bottom line of reimbursement, which in this economy, you know, every little cent helps. So we just really took a look at what we were bringing in from a reimbursement standpoint. It was also a jumping off point to begin to look at outcomes from pharmacy services and the transplant program overall. And we started with the reimbursement piece because it was the easiest piece. You know, money comes down to just a black and white thing, and we wanted to start there and then jump off to less quantifiable things, such as decreased length of stay or harder to prove outcomes. Since, you know, we do work as part of a team, it's hard to extract how much of these improved outcomes are due to pharmacy alone or due to the team overall. So we just wanted to start with the money piece or the reimbursement and then go on from there. Okay, so do you currently have studies or analyses underway with respect to other types of outcomes, clinical outcomes, humanistic outcomes, and so forth? We do, we do. And, you know, this is one area where all transplant pharmacists are allying together to show in the near future. There are several work groups out there dedicated to fielding this type of research, and we're working together nationwide through the American Society of Transplantation, the American College of Clinical Pharmacy, and ASHP to come together to increase our numbers and to look at how pharmacists impact patient care from a morbidity and mortality standpoint, because we do bring a lot to the team. And now it's up to us to try to figure out how to design research to prove that. Going back to billing for a moment, I understand that Some of your colleagues at other institutions sometimes question why you're using facility fee billing as opposed to uh, billing directly for the pharmacist services. Can you comment on that? Sure. So I think um, there's a lot of interest in looking at billing for pharmacy services, not only in transplantation, but other clinical services under the medication therapy management model or MTM model. And we chose not to go down that route because the three CPT codes currently approved for use with MTM are not associated with the set payment. And I think that when we set up our outpatient clinic, we wanted to be able to bill and guarantee a set reimbursement without having to guess what a third-party payer would or would not accept depending on the CPT codes. So we did not go down that route, although it's my hope and wish that pharmacy services will move to that model one day. But currently, we decided that an indirect facility fee billing was sort of the safest route and could guarantee 
our reimbursement without having to negotiate with the third-party payers. Angela, do you have any advice for pharmacists in other transplant programs with respect to billing for services based on your experience at Providence? You know, we had a very positive experience here at Providence Sacred Heart, and I think that all transplant programs really value the presence of a pharmacist on their team. I would advise pharmacists working in other transplant programs, if they have the ability to sit down with a billing specialist, their program financial manager, this is definitely something that could be set up relatively quickly. If they decide to pursue MTM as their model for billing, it would be a great experience to share with the rest of the transplant community since there is a big movement from traditionally pharmacists working in the inpatient setting to a global inpatient and outpatient transplant care. And if we can capture any of our time with our patients from a financial perspective, I think that would be great. Well, very good advice. Angela, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me. This is William Zelmer, Contributing Editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. I've been speaking with Dr. Angela Maldonado, who is Clinical Transplant Specialist at Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center and Children's Hospital in the Kidney Transplant Program in Spokane, Washington. Dr. Maldonado also serves as Assistant Professor at College of Pharmacy, Washington State University. Her paper is Billing for Outpatient Transplant Pharmacy Services. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.